Good afternoon, Gabe DeArmond, Drew King here with you live on Tuesday afternoon this it's week. Uh, yes, we're back in the time of year where I have to figure out what day it is again. Like the last <laughs> ten days, I've had no idea what day it is. But. <laughs> Same but here. Here we go. So uh, we're going to talk a little Mizzou basketball with you guys. And and look, this is the way we should start off every show. JB logs in just to say he loves me. So. That, that is always going to get your comment on the screen to kick things off. Do want to let you guys know if you got comments, you got questions, you want to talk basketball, throw them in the comments section. If you got a football question every now and then, we'll get to it. But uh, but mostly at this point, a basketball podcast uh, for the next little bit. And mm -hmm. as always, brought to you guys by James Carlton State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. Everybody watching has insurance. If you don't, guys, go fix that. You really ought to. Everybody here also, cheers for Missouri, or at least the vast majority of you. College sports, the hot-button issue right now in IL, and James Carlton wants to help you with both of those issues, insurance and Missouri's name, image, and likeness efforts. So get in touch with James. His information is going across the bottom of the screen. If you're watching live on YouTube, 314-961-4800, carltoninsurance.net online. If you go there and you get a quote, first of all, you might save some money on your insurance. Second of all, if you mention Power Mizzou, when you do so, James is going to donate $20 to the Every True Tiger Foundation, one of Mizzou's NIL efforts on your behalf, and everybody wins that way. So uh, welcome to those of you watching us live. Drew, what's going on, man? How's things? It's been good. It's been good. Um, really looking forward to the next couple of games. We got the holidays behind us now, and so now it means like it's it's really time for basketball to start heating up yeah. and and getting into um, conference play here. So I'm I'm super excited about it. There, there's two things. Bragging rights to me is always kind of the signal. Okay, you got to start paying attention to this sport now. Like <laughs> like we're getting real. There's real games, and then when you get into conference play, and you just you can kind of set your week. You're going to play Saturday. You're going to play Tuesday or Wednesday. And there's a little bit of a rhythm to it. There's none of this 5 p.m. Friday and 11 a.m. Sunday. And like, I have to look at the calendar every week to know when they're playing. Well, and you also have a better sense of like who the teams actually are. Like, I'm not sure I heard about Southern Indiana before this season. Um, and I, I know a little bit more about Arkansas going into this week. Yeah, yeah, I can actually name a player on the opposing team in most <laughs> games. I'm not sure I can name a South Carolina player, maybe not Georgia, but everybody else I think I can name at least one guy on the roster exactly. right now. So, um, look, I have called the last 10 days probably a Missouri basketball fan's favorite 10-day period since we thought Michael Porter Jr. was going to play in 2017. Uh, everybody riding kind of high right now, and, and I mean, deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this is probably um, the best stretch. I, I mean, it, it's obviously the first time they've been ranked since February 2021, so two years almost. Um, and so I think that Mizzou fans have every reason to be feeling really good about this team right now. Um, they've got a lot of momentum on their side for sure. So let's look at this two ways, and, and we'll start off with the positive. Let's talk about why this seems sustainable. I mean, to me, this seems like a team that has clearly gotten better throughout the course of the season. Some of the issues they had early on seem to be less issues now. And more than anything, like I see a team of guys that understand what their role is and are happy to play that role. And for Dennis Gates to have done that in 13 games, 
I think is pretty impressive because you take a guy like Noah Carter, who was the leading scorer on a Missouri Valley team, like a perfectly representative Division One basketball team. Northern Iowa. And, uh, yeah, Northern Iowa. Yeah, That's a yeah. Missouri Valley oh, okay. team, right? I, I didn't realize. <laughs> my fault. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, I mean, my point is, like, this is a guy who's shown he can score 30. He's done it before. Mm-hmm. But he's taking on a little bit of a lesser role right now. And and some of these other guys are are filling their roles. I mean, that to me is why this seems like something that can carry forward for Missouri. Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, too, the, the fact that they've done it against good teams, right? I think that was something that we talked about after that Kansas loss was we thought the team could still be good, but they, they hadn't really shown it against – um, some serious, serious competition like Illinois and Kentucky. And uh, we've seen over the past couple of games, they really can do that, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. still able to execute against the SEC teams and the Big Ten teams as they are against the Missouri Valley teams of, of the country. Um, and so I, I think that to me stood out as why it's sustainable is because it's still working. Like it, it doesn't matter who they're playing they're still getting all the baskets that they look for in every game. The confidence is a dangerous thing, especially when you're talking about 21 year olds, like they don't know they're not supposed to be this good. Right. So I think they actually think they're this good, which leads to them maybe actually being this good. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And for those who haven't read it, you know, I, I, wrote a piece about the sports psychologist that um, Mizzou's been working with, Dr. Joe Carr. I think he's played a big part into building up the confidence and building up the chemistry that the team has. Um, And and so for those who haven't read it, go go take a look at that. It was was a fun one to write. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I think this is a a team that's writing just as high as kind of the fans are right now. I mean, they've um, only taken one loss on the season. So there's not a whole lot that you can point to and say like, hey, this hasn't been very good. Um, right. And so when you're, like you said, a young 20 something year old, like that's a lot to feel good about. And so you mentioned the Joe Carr thing. So Dennis Gates gives Joe Carr credit after almost every game now talks mm-hmm. about, you know, how much he has helped. Um, he frequently talks about his players coming over and coaching in the huddle and doing his job and telling him what to do. Maybe Dennis Gates got to start sharing part of this two and a half million dollar salary, man. He's got a lot of other dudes coaching this team. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> but 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 in all seriousness, he's I, I mean, he's done a hell of a job at this point. He would certainly be the SEC coach of the year. Long way to go. We're like 40 percent of the way through the season. So we don't hand out those awards. So. All right. Let's talk about and I want you to go first here because I'm curious what your take is. What are some, what's a reason or two that you look at this and say, I'm not sure this level is sustainable for this team? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for starters, the rebounding is still a, a pretty big issue for the team. Um, you know, Oscar Sheway had 19 against them in the SEC opener. That's probably not ideal. Um, and so I think eventually that could come back to haunt them, um, especially as you you keep going up against teams with size like the SEC has. Um, it hasn't come back to bite them yet. That doesn't mean it, it won't happen eventually. Um, and then I think on top of that, you know, the Kansas game, 
the the biggest issue was I think they struggled to find their offense in the half court. Kansas kind of slowed them down and, and didn't let them get into the fast break as much. I think eventually they're going to run into another team who is able to do that. And so when that happens, I, I don't know that they'll be able to respond any differently, right? How, how well they, they're able to score um, in a slower setting um, will be telling for, for kind of how the rest of the season goes. And, and that team might be Wednesday night, honestly. I'll be interested mm-hmm. to see if Arkansas wants to run with them or not. Um, so I've got two things. One is more on like a single game basis, not maybe as a big picture thing. The other is is a more big picture thing. So my first thing is officiating. And dudes were getting murdered in the Kentucky game <laughs> on both ends of the floor. And yeah. I think that actually favors Missouri because I have watched similar style of basketball to this. And when Mike Anderson was the coach here, like he was literally something like 76 and four at home. And then he was 500 or a little worse on the road. And the reason to me was very simple. His defensive philosophy was we are going to foul you on every possession. We don't think the officials will call it on every possession. They called it less at home when the crowd got into it than they did on the road. And I really think that was a big factor in Anderson's differential home and road. So this team, I I know fans will say, oh, no, we get the short end of the stick on officiating in every game. But I think if they run into a game where the officials want to call it tight, I think that really hurts Missouri. Because I think it 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 inhibits their ability to get as many steals and force as many turnovers. Because I really do think the defensive philosophy is we're going to pick you up at three quarters court and we're going to get mm-hmm. your shorts. And hey, sometimes that might include a little slap here and there, you know. And and if they call all of them, we're probably going to lose because you're going to go thirty eight of fifty from the free throw line. Yeah. Um. But big I, picture, and and I don't know for sure how I feel about this, but like. John Calipari brought up a great point after the Kentucky game. He said, we had some open shots and we just didn't make any of them. So I thought the defense was noticeably better against Illinois than it, than it had been against Kansas. I'm not sure if Kentucky's struggles had more to do with Missouri's defense or more to do with just Kentucky not shooting the ball well. So my point is, I think they're a better defensive team than they were against Kansas but I'm not sure they're as good a defensive team as some people want to believe they are right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, And and to your point about the fouls too, you know, we've seen Kobe Brown pick up those two quick fouls early on and and that kind of derailed the whole scheme of the team before. Um, So I would agree with you there. And I agree with you about um, the, the defense, right? Because there's been games where they get, absolutely exposed from three even with a hand in somebody's face right that Wichita game stands out um and so I I think they've both benefited and kind of um been hurt by living and dying from the three-point line um but yeah I, I think that could play a factor going into these next couple of games and that's the thing about three pointers and three point defense to me is Sometimes you can play really good defense and you can just run into a dude that got hot, right? Yep. I mean, like that guy from Southern Indiana that all of a sudden was throwing like hook shots in from 35 feet. You know, it just happens sometimes. And the flip side is sometimes you can actually not play great defense and you can leave somebody open and they just don't go in. Uh, so like it's 
we try to break it down and make it way more complex than it is. Sometimes you make shots, sometimes you don't. And that doesn't always have to do uh, with the defense. So I, I want to jump into answering some questions and getting to your guys' comments uh, uh, real quick. And, and we'll touch a little bit on on tomorrow night, more specifically at the end, and, and talk a little maybe about Vandy. Bradley St. James says, what would your starting lineup be for this game? It would be the same one that's won the last mm-hmm. two. I see no reason to change that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, um, Kevin Costner has a line in uh, Bull Durham: "Don't f with a win streak." Um, right. Don't 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 touch anything right now. Like play yeah. how you have been these last couple of games. And and coaches are like that, right? Like Dennis Gates started the same lineup for the first ten games, mm-hmm. and then they lost to Kansas, and it was time for a little change after that, right? And now absolutely. they've won three in a row, and you're not going to see it change again until I, I mean, the only thing that does change is, you know, you might see, like, I think it was in the Illinois game, Ronnie DeGray came out before the first TV timeout. So he might tinker a little with it a little sooner, but the starting five is not going to change until they get beat. Um, Definitely. Eric Eastman wants to know is the best defense the Tigers have faced or will face Kentucky, Illinois, or Arkansas? Ooh, good question. Um, I think statistically it'll be Arkansas. Um, they they've they've just got a lot of big bodies. Um, they're really athletic, and I think that they could they'll, they'll kind of have the edge matchup wise in this one. I think my answer to that is actually none. Um, mm. I watched the last seventeen minutes of the Kansas game on uh, Saturday against Oklahoma State. That was some of the most incredible defense. I've, Kansas is the best defensive team they've played, and I think the best defensive team they will play because everybody noticed the open shots and the 95 points that Kansas scored. But, man, those dudes can guard. Yeah. I, I mean, they can really – and that's really what Bill's trademark has been in Lawrence for 20 years. I think Kansas is the best defensive team they played. Of the three he mentioned, I haven't seen as much of Arkansas – so I'm not sure, but look, Illinois gave up 93 and Kentucky gave up 89 and it should have been more. So I think Arkansas will be better just by default than those teams were at least on that night. Um, well, Jason I, Frank, I, I, go ahead. I'll, I'll say this too. Um, you know, I, I'm working on my preview for the Arkansas game tomorrow. Um, and it's interesting because both teams are top 10 in turnover percentage, right? They, they both generate a ton of turnovers. Um, and so I, I think that'll be something to look out for tomorrow or and, Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow. And, yeah, and tomorrow. Missouri doesn't, <laughs> I can't remember the days. <laughs> it's all right. We'll figure it out eventually. Missouri doesn't turn it over a lot themselves. Where's Arkansas on that? Do they turn it over offensively much? or? Um, so they're, they're both – top 100 um, in, okay. in turnovers allowed. I think Arkansas is, is kind of around 72 and Mizzou's closer to 40, something like that. So Mizzou will have a little bit of an edge there. Gotcha. Jason brings up a, a question that I, that I think is interesting. If they beat Arkansas, what are the chances they get a, a at least one bye in the SEC tournament? I mean, they're going to get at least one because they're not going to play in that 11-14 game, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But what he's uh, what I think Jason's talking about is the double buy, which goes to the top four teams. So the way these last three weeks have gone was after the KU game, I just said, Hey, just get over 500, play postseason basketball. You're fine. And then after the Illinois game, I kind of adjusted that to, and then really after the Kentucky game, I adjusted it to, I, this needs to be a tournament team. If they go win at Arkansas, 
I now raise that again to I'll entertain the talk that they're one of the top four teams in this league at the end of the year. Yeah, I um, I think when we went into this five-game stretch, um, we, we mentioned, you know, one game is a victory, um, two games. Two and three is is great. Of, yeah. Um, so if you're talking about them going four and one, over that stretch. I mean, you're, you're talking about really one of the best teams in the country because that's who they've beaten at that point is, is a couple of the best teams in the country. Yeah. And so, so the top, we came into the, the season saying, we think we're pretty confident who the top four teams in this league are. And I even see why young even said it on a podcast with me uh, before mm-hmm. the season, everybody thought it was Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Auburn were the top four teams in the league. Yep. Kentucky's not as good as we thought. Now, they could still be in that top four at the end of the year, but they're not there right now. Arkansas's dealing with injuries like they're good. They might be a half step below. Like, I thought Arkansas would win the league, maybe. Mm-hmm. And so they might be a half step below that. Tennessee is every bit what people thought Tennessee was going to be. Auburn is maybe a little off, but what we didn't see coming is Alabama. Yeah. Uh, Alabama might be the best team in the SEC. Possibly, yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought um, Auburn and Alabama would be pretty close, kind of in that third tier below Kentucky and Arkansas and Tennessee. But um, I, I did not think Alabama would be, you know, one of the two best teams in the league for right. sure. Um, and they've, they've played that way so far. And, and, and the way I'd handicap it right now, Alabama and Tennessee, I'm they're going to be top four teams. I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah. And then those next two spots kind of come down to me to Arkansas, Kentucky, Auburn, Missouri. Yeah. And while I think most people would still put Missouri at the bottom of that list, I mean, they've already beaten Kentucky. If you can go get a win at Arkansas, you're rising up that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I and I, I think it's doable too. You, you hinted at kind of the injuries that Arkansas has had. Um, they're gonna have a really short bench in this game tomorrow, and so I, I think that this is actually a, a pretty winnable game for Missouri, which I did not think that going into this stretch that they had. Yeah, we know they're without Trevon Brazil. We know they're without Nick Smith, and I mean. Musselman was only playing like seven or eight guys when those guys were yeah. healthy, you know. So he, he brought uh, three guys off the bench against LSU in their conference opener, and they played a combined twelve minutes. Right. So, uh, and I think three different guys played like the full forty-minute game. Like they did not come out, um, and so it's it's going to be um, a, a pretty tight rotation, I think. Which leads me to again, Missouri wants to do this against everybody. But Missouri wants to run, man. They mm-hmm. want to wear those dudes out. Yeah, and, and I think that's kind of going to be where their biggest edge is in this game is that they, they can go four or five off of the bench and stay fresh. Arkansas cannot do that in this game. And so it's it's going to be interesting because Arkansas doesn't necessarily play slow either. Like they like to get up and down the court and they're really well conditioned to do that. I don't know that they're conditioned enough to play an entire game and – match Mizzou's pace without coming out and, and getting a breather. Right. It, it, it's kind of like, it, I mean, it's that second wave, right? Like when you're facing Alabama, when your offensive line plays every snap, you might hold up against the starters, but when those new guys come in after six snaps and your same linemen are out there, their defensive line has fresh legs. So with Missouri, 
when you've got a new five in there and they've got the same five, theoretically, your new five should have a little bit more pep. Right. I mean, like, you're bringing Noah Carter off of the bench to replace right. Kobe, like, and, and they're – typically hasn't been too much of a drop-off and you're bringing Sean East off the bench and yeah you know and and, yeah Yeah. so that'll be interesting uh speaking of Golston Kyle wants to know how much do you think his buzzer beater affects how they're playing right now and that's like it's the unanswerable question but I think it's worth entertaining that if that shot doesn't go in they might not beat Illinois and Kentucky yeah I, I agree. Like that kind of felt like a pretty big um, pivot point after that Kansas loss was um, because they they did they had not blown play. a fourteen point lead and right um, and it, it didn't look good. Um, but absolutely, that that shot was huge for them. I think. Um, JB wants to know what's your opinion on what effect the atmosphere inside Mizzou Arena has on recruiting. Uh, I mean. Obviously, we'll see down the road, but I'll say this. It's a hell of a lot better than 6,000 in a, in a place that seemed like a morgue, which it has for most of the last six, seven years. Yeah, like, I, I don't, it's legitimately don't, been loud the last couple times we've been in there. I don't see how it could hurt anything, <laughs> at right. least. Right? Like, right. Um, I, I think it, it does nothing but help in the recruiting efforts. Like, the last few years, Missouri hasn't really wanted kids to visit on game day. Because they come in there and they look around and it's it's dead. I mean, yeah. there's there's no excitement. Now you want a kid in that arena. I mean, mm-hmm. that Kentucky game was wild, and it wasn't the Kansas game, but it was loud. The students were there. Uh, somebody posted on our board yesterday. They went on Ticketmaster uh, to get tickets for the Vandy game, and there were only like 300 tickets left for sale. So I don't know if that means they're going to get 14,900 in, but I think I'm pretty comfortable they're going to get at least 12,000, which is – that's pretty good for a Saturday game against Vandy. Well, and I saw they, I think they, I don't know if they lower, I don't know what the ticket prices are, but they said that they're selling tickets for $20 because they got ranked number 20. So that might help oh, there you a, go. a couple of seats. Yeah. And, and like, look, they do deserve credit for things like that. They, in football and basketball, they have listened to fans and they have done things to help put the butts in the seats because ultimately what gets them what keeps them there is winning but you've got to do something to get get them there first yeah and i think we saw it in the kansas game too like these fans want them to to be good um and i I think they'll keep showing up as long as the wins keep coming yeah they're they're invested in in gates and and kobe and this whole thing uh Bradley says, do you think sec teams are Mm. scared to play missouri right now i mean I, i think scared is a relative term I think if you got Eric Musselman in an honest moment and said, would you rather that you were playing Missouri or South Carolina tomorrow night? He would probably rather just play South Carolina 18 times. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure you want to play them the way they're playing right now. <laughs> I think it would the scared probably isn't the right word. I think it would be more nervous, especially like if it, we were going into the SEC tournament. I don't think people would want to play Missouri you know, as hot as they are right now. But um, with it being this early in the SCC schedule, I don't know that scared would be the right word. Right. I would say wary. Yeah. Maybe, you know, because I I think now the test for this Missouri team is really, okay, at the beginning of the year, nobody was talking about you. Nobody expected anything out of you. You came out of nowhere and you surprised people and you handled that very well. But now you've got a number next to your name. You've proven you can do this a couple times. 
you're not catching Arkansas by surprise tomorrow night, right? Uh, right. Vandy is going to come in here on Saturday thinking they can have a win that turns their season around. So it's different being the hunted versus the hunter. Agree. Um, and I think we said it after the Kentucky game, you know, the, if it was just Illinois, you maybe could have called it a fluke, but it, it's not just Illinois anymore. So um, I, I think the Kentucky game definitely put the rest of the league on notice that Missouri is pretty good this year. Yeah, there's a team in this conversation that probably wasn't in it two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. is uh, So, okay, we have made it 25 minutes without mentioning it. So we have a question and we now have to mention it. Mike wants to know if adding Isaiah Mosley would hurt their offensive chemistry at this point. And look, again, it's one of those things we can't say. Nobody knows, right? I mean, rarely is it going to be bad to add a kid who has averaged 20 points and shot 50% from the floor and all that over the last three years. I mean, but he would have to take minutes from somebody. And I keep going back to, what Isaiah does well is not what this team is missing. They don't need a guy who can make shots, right? They need a guy who can get a rebound and maybe play a little interior defense more. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I I can't say who he would take minutes away from either because uh, most of their guards are playing really it, well at this point. Right. And, it would probably be like five minutes from a bunch of guys, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like if Mosley plays, Dre Golston doesn't play. But maybe instead of 25, Golston plays 20. And instead of 35, Honor plays 30. And instead Mm -hmm. of 25, East plays 20. But, like, you're 12-1, and man. I I mean, if, if you can figure out a way to add him in and it works, that's great. But I do think there would be a little adjustment period. Like, when he plays... I like I'm not throwing him in for the first time in a while at Arkansas. Um I, I think he's more of a like break in case of emergency type of guy. Like if things start going south in Arkansas fast, I could see him being important, right? Like can you go fill it up for but, 10 minutes? But that also would lean toward the reason he's not playing has something to do with basketball. And it doesn't, I mean, we don't know what it is, but we know it's not, it is not that Dennis Gates does not think he's a good basketball player. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, it's not an injury thing either. So um, it's, it's definitely a weird situation. Um, Yeah. And it's, it's a hard question to answer because we, we just haven't seen him. and, And like at the Kentucky game, he clearly showed up. Not at the same time as everybody else. I just talked to somebody actually earlier today who said they were grocery shopping in Columbia the day of the Bragging Rights game and Isaiah Mosley was here. Well, I mean, he showed up at the Bragging Rights game, but that indicates he was not there on Wednesday with the team. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. There are things going on. Clearly, Gates knows. I I have no expectation that Mosley plays tomorrow night. I don't really think that's a problem. And here's the part of it that we can't know. How's this, how do his teammates feel about it? What would his teammates think if all of a sudden he played 20 minutes tomorrow? Now, they might be fine with it. They might love the kid and say, hey, we're better with it. We're great. Do it. But you also know that there's something that's not getting done 
that everybody else on the team is doing. And if you just give that kid playing time, what does that tell Trey Gomillion and Dre Golston and Aiden Shaw? It might tell them it's okay. You don't have to do some of those things either. And that's a that's a thing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, so yeah, I, I, it's it's a tough situation for sure. But but you know what? I'm sure Dennis Gates is much happier dealing with it at 12 and 1 than he would be at 6 and 7. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's almost like it's just this luxury piece that, hey, maybe you have to add later. It's like teams waiting to sign Odell Beckham Jr., right? Just like, exactly. hey, we're cool. Just show up and be good in March, man. We're, we're good. You yep. know, um, JB wants to know, going off of what we were talking about earlier, about what a win would do for Missouri, what does a loss do for Missouri tomorrow? So I don't think it does a lot for the team. Like this is, I, I just checked Ken Palm before we got on. He gives them a 23% chance to win this game. It's the second lowest percentage of any game on the rest of the schedule. This is a very difficult game for Missouri. I think tomorrow night could be a test for the fan base. Like, look, guys, they might lose. It doesn't mean the season sucks. It doesn't mean somebody has to be fired or benched. It doesn't mean we immediately have to get Isaiah Mosley in the starting lineup. It means they're playing a really good team on the road, and there's a chance they get beat. Yeah, I don't think it would mean anything too much different than the Kansas loss meant, you know, like I think they bounced back pretty well from that first loss to the Jayhawks. And I think that they will bounce back from Arkansas if they end up losing tomorrow. Like I I don't think it's in the grand scheme of things, a loss to a team as good as Arkansas or as good as Kansas is going to hurt them very much in the long run. You want to compete in this game, right? You What you don't want to see is you're down 22 at half, right? right. And just been, you don't want to see what Kentucky was last week or what Illinois was the <laughs> week before that. But even if you do, like I go into this week, one and one's a fine week this week. Well, mm-hmm. one and one does no damage to this Missouri team. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, we, we've said it before. They're playing with house money right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they they're already ahead of schedule, um, and and so I don't know that the expectation should necessarily be that they win this game, but I also don't think you should be surprised if they do. Right? Yeah, I, exactly. It won't shock me if they win. I wouldn't pick them to win. Kyle says, "Do you feel they're ready for their first SEC road game?" I mean, look, you don't really know, right? Until until they come out, um, but. I don't think the moment's like too big for them. They they might not win. They might not even play well. I mean, who knows? They could come out and shoot 37% tonight. We haven't seen that this year. Mm-hmm. It's certainly possible tomorrow night. Um, but, but again, even if they lose, that's not going to change much of what I think about this team. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, they looked pretty all right against Wichita State for the most part they had you know a pretty bad run in the second half um, and and came back from it and I guess something you know pretty similar happened with UCF um, on the road there so I I think they've shown they're fine playing in a visiting arena in front of a a pretty hostile crowd Um, and and so I don't know what it's going to look like in Arkansas how invested that fan base is but um uh, you know, very. It, very. It, it's okay. going to be yeah. a great place to watch a game. 
It's but huge. Um, I, I know like DeAndre Golston brought up on um, your your other podcast, you know, they kind of feed off of negative energy like that. Like they, right. they, they want to go at the crowd and, and quiet them down. And so I, I think, especially with an experienced team like this, which has played on the road a ton in all of their careers, like I, I feel like they'll be pretty ready for it. Yeah, I think so. And, and I don't think that they'll see anything tomorrow night that is any wilder than the KU game was here or than bragging rights. It's just a matter of who, who they're cheering for. Right. I mean, right. there's not going to be a lot of Missouri support in the crowd. Uh, Danny says Gates has two few top 150 guys committed. A few guys eligibility is up. Who's coming in and who are they replacing? So we're just going to do this real fast. Like I'm not going to run through a scouting report on Missouri's commitments. Uh, Trent <laughs> Pierce, Anthony Richardson, and Jordan Butler are coming in next year. We know that DeAndre Golston, Demoy Hodge, and Trey, Trey Gomillion. Trey Gomillion, right. They're done. They can't play yeah. anymore. I mean, I hesitate to say that in today's college athletics. I don't know. They might find a seventh year for those guys, but <laughs> it, the assumption is that those three guys are gone. So they still have one more scholarship. But the interesting part of this conversation to me is who still could come back, right? Mm -hmm. Because Dennis Gates has pretty clearly been working on Nick Honor and Kobe Brown since before the season. Hey, we'd really like you to use that fifth year. And I think here's why I think they've got a chance. Nick Honor is not an NBA point guard. He just isn't. Yeah. Like, that's not a disrespect to him. He just isn't. Now, he might be a guy who turns 24 years old and says, I've been in school for five years, and, hey, I'm good with going to play in Greece or something and making money. I'm cool with that. Kobe Brown is – can you see a world where he carves out a spot on an NBA roster? Absolutely. He's not a sure thing NBA player to me. Correct. And so – We've seen this in football in the last few weeks. Chris Abrams drain coming back. Ennis Rakestraw's coming back. Darius Robinson's coming back. Trajan Jeffcoat's coming back. Now, if you guys watching want to believe in your heart of hearts that they're doing that because they love the black and gold uniforms and they love booches and they've just fallen in love with the University of Missouri and it means that much, great. I tend to believe there might have been a little NIL incentive involved there. So if you can give guys like Kobe Brown and Nick Honor a little incentive of, hey, maybe we can't pay you what basketball Italia can pay you, but we can pay you pretty close and they freaking love you here and you can play one more year of college basketball wherever where your games are on ESPN and SEC Network as opposed to, you know, Bally's Italy or whatever, then that that that's attractive to kids. Absolutely. Um, and you think about a guy like Kobe, too. Um, how many more chances do you get to be the face of a program or face yep. of a team? Right. I think that could play a big factor into his decision down the line. I mean, obviously, I, I think all these guys want to go pro. Um, but I, I think playing on a stage like this only really helps your chances to do that. And um so, yeah, I, I, I think – go ahead. I was going to say Gates can sell. Look, this fan base is bought in. We think we're going to be better next year than we were this year. Like, there's a lot of things to sell to those guys to come back for another season. Absolutely. Um, and so I, I think, especially for a guy like Nick Honor, um, it, it comes down to 
you know, what, what else do you want to do? Like you can come back and especially like if they make a run in the SEC tournament and they feel like there's some unfinished business, I, I think there's a lot of appeal for coming back. Yeah. And the other thing is like, I, I laugh all the time at the term student athlete, but they do have to go to class. Right. I mean, if Nick, like, I know, I know a couple of guys who have left school and people have said, I, I don't get it, man. Like he's not going pro. What's he doing? Well, you know what? He didn't want to freaking go to biology class at 940 every Thursday morning. You know, he wanted to go make money. So, so that does factor in. We don't know what, what guys motivations are. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple more. We'll hit uh, looking at the season right now. When they finish, what would the record have to be where you end up disappointed? So, mm-hmm. Like I'll be I'll be disappointed if this team's not in the NCAA tournament. That doesn't mean I'll call the season a failure, but I think where they're at now, it's disappointing if they're not in. I agree with that. Yeah, um, I think you know I, I I think the bar right now would be to get to twenty wins, especially since you've got twelve under your belt already. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, getting to twenty wins means you win eight and 10 in conference play right or and lost eight, to eight, iowa and lost eight to and iowa state. yeah yes yeah. and and lost to iowa state right and so um which is is still a possibility you know so i i think losing or or, or winning less than 20 w- wins i think that's kind of um not not as good of a conference season as you were it's hoping a little bit for. of a letdown yeah for sure and I think at the beginning of the season, Pomeroy had him 17 and 15. He now has him 22 and nine, Yeah, you know, and 10 and eight in the SEC. So that's, that's kind of, it's okay to adjust expectations during the season, but also okay to understand at the end of the year, if this team ends up at, you know, as a nine seed and loses its first round game, that's still better than we thought it was going to be in October. Definitely. Um, and I've always thought that I thought going into the season, they were going to be a bubble team and they were going to be right around 500 in the SEC. And so um, I I don't think that they're, you know, I I think they're in a pretty good position to hit both of those benchmarks, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're, so I, I don't see them slipping without something pretty bad happening here. I agree. Last one from Bradley. Do you think this game being a rivalry game adds extra motivation? I Missouri already played its biggest rivalry game and frankly already played its second biggest rivalry game in my opinion. Like I I don't think I don't think they need any more motivation than hey, we could go 2 and 0 and have a leg up in the SEC and win in Fayetteville. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I mean, I guess the other motivation is that it's another ranked team that you could get a win over, but I would, I would also put that ahead of it being a rivalry game. Yeah. I just, I mean, you know, there's, there's 18 of them. I I don't think that's a huge factor. Um, you play them again, you know, so it's a little bit different. Uh, so let's wrap just with a couple minutes. We've talked all about Arkansas tomorrow night. Uh, the second game this week before we do this again is home against Vandy. So the way I look at this schedule, there's not one game I look at and say Missouri can't win that. There's only two games that I look at and say Missouri absolutely can't lose that. And one of them Saturday at home against Vanderbilt. Like, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, Saturday against Vanderbilt has to be a win. Absolutely, yeah. This is probably one of the 
bottom two teams in the conference. Um, yeah, Vandy and South Carolina. Yeah, and have been that way for a while, I, I think. Um, so it's a must win for Saturday's game, for sure. Um, and especially, like, if if you want to get to that double by one of the top four yeah. seeds, that's absolutely a game that you have to come out with the victory with. This season comes down to, like, the difference between being – a bubble team or a barely a tournament team and being a team that is in that double buy and you know you're a lot going into selection Sunday, it's taking care of your home court and going 500-ish on the road. If you can go four and five on the road in conference play, but you were eight and one at home, like you're talking about 23 wins and you're in great shape, you know? Yeah, I'm actually looking at Vanderbilt's schedule right now. They're they have one win over power five school this season and it was Pittsburgh and they won by one point. So, um, just not a very, yeah, exactly. Can't lose that. So, uh, we'll do this. Uh, I don't know what the schedule is next week, what night or where Missouri plays at some point early next week, we will be back to, to talk about these two and, and look ahead and, and do all that. So, um, Drew, I know that, you're working on a preview. Uh, you're headed for Fayetteville tomorrow, so enjoy that. Bud Walton's a, a fun place to watch a game. It, it gets a little rowdy, so uh, enjoy that, and we'll, we'll look for, for all your stuff, man. We'll do. We'll do. Sounds good. All right, we're going to let, uh, let Drew go, and then I'm going to remind you guys on the way out the door to do a few things. First of all, if you joined us, if you're watching live with us, and, and we had pretty good participation here, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, Just hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, all the buttons you can hit on YouTube. We would ask you to do that on the way out the door. If you're listening on the podcast, which I will post shortly after this is done, leave us a nice review, say good things, share it on social media, do all of that stuff. More important, equally important, maybe more important. Uh, We want you to get in touch with James Carlton at State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. If you live in Illinois or Missouri, he can take care of your insurance needs. If you don't have insurance, get it. Talk to James. If you do have insurance, talk to James. See if he can save you a little money. CarltonInsurance.net, 314-961-4800, Facebook.com slash Insurance. any of those ways. Get in touch with James. Get a quote. If you do that and you tell him you heard about it from Power Mizzou, he's going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation, Mizzou's NIL Collective. Hey, we talked a lot about maybe you can get Nick Honor back. Maybe you can get Kobe Brown back. Every donation is is probably going to help in that regard, and James wants to make that happen. So get in touch with James, mention the show, and he is going to make that donation on your behalf. Appreciate it, guys. Uh, look forward uh, look for Drew's coverage from Fayetteville tomorrow. We're previewing all the football signees, uh, maybe some transfer visitors coming here in the next few days, and we'll be back to talk about it all next week. See you then.